Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I am joined by Will Murden. How is it going tonight, William? I'm not in a great spot, my friend. It has not been a great weekend for me. You know, uh, you, you know, I'm a big Oklahoma State fan, and the uh, the showing that they put up is 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 hurt me. I mean, I'm in a hurt spot right now. Tough sledding, mate. Uh, yeah, I mean, it puts Oklahoma State in a bit of a hole, and Oklahoma look like they are going to once again saunter their way to the Big Twelve Championship game. But we will get into all that a little bit later on. Uh, we are going to go head in a little bit of a different direction. We've got a lot of the same segments that we'll continue with, but you wanted to change things up a little bit in the way that we deliver our recaps on the different games. And the reason for this is we are still an Australian-based podcast. We want to appeal to the Australian audience. So rather than getting too hung up on whether pick enter Team X here who's got a really small fan base... Uh, you know, whoever it could be. And I, I, you know, I really jumped to like Indiana. That's not a good example this year. But like, if it's, if it's, let's like, go Virginia Tech Pitt. Yeah. Okay. Let's go Virginia Tech Pitt. Not getting a massive following here. It doesn't have a lot of significance on the national landscape. And from an Australian perspective, we're not going to follow it too closely. So we're going to shorten down a lot of the less significant games for the particular week and try and give more attention, more detail to the, the big players, both figuratively and literally, or both individual and team on the that are relevant to their particular conference or their or the, the national landscape as a whole. So that's kind of the game here that we are going to lean into. Rather than spread ourselves too thin, we're going to narrow the focus and go a little bit more detailed, hopefully. Now, no doubt, because I like to touch on lots of different things and we still follow all these games anyway, it hasn't slowed down our watching of the games, uh, but... It means that we hopefully can give a little bit more detail on Texas A&M whenever they play again next, or where, you know whoever That's it is. Another on the terrible week. example, like a team that didn't play this week. <laughs> yeah, right. mean, Are you going to be like this all episode, or uh, mate? I, well, I came in hot last episode, so I'm just trying to you know appeal back to my sensitive side and and really support some of those teams that I've been ragging on. Like, okay. I'm looking at you, Auburn. Maybe I say some nice things about you today. I don't know. They got a big game on the horizon, so let's. They pump do, them up. they do. All right, before we do that, we are still going to hit our 360. So let's jump in. So, so, so many games cancelled or postponed this week in the ACC: Georgia Tech and Miami, Duke and Wake, Florida State and Clemson all canned. And we'll touch on the Florida State Clemson sitch because that was weird. Texas and Kansas got scrapped in the Big 12. Michigan State, Maryland, no one's fans of those teams. And in the Pac-12, Washington, Stanford, Arizona State and Colorado, Ole Miss and Texas A&M in the SEC, plus 10 games in the group of five as well. So a massive, massive number of games that have been affected by COVID. And this is the tip of the iceberg. We will continue to see that moving forward. In terms of actual information from this week, Bedlam 
was just history repeating, Will. Yes. Why? Why? I mean, like, why not, I suppose? If, if, if something different happened, then we could probably talk about that. But it was the same old story. Oklahoma dominated up front. Uh, from Right from the get-go, I mean, six minutes in, they were 21 nothing up. It was as if Oklahoma State had were not rocked up to play. Uh, and then they were kind of chasing us from there and, and couldn't get it done. The, the, this is a team that only scored one touchdown on the day, so they're not the offensive juggernaut that they used to be. And if you're going to give up three touchdowns in the first half of the first quarter, you're not going to win too many games. Ohio State escape a valiant comeback by Indiana. What does this mean? Uh, was this game as close as the scoreline suggests? I think full respect to Indiana in this one. I mean, it looked as if Ohio State had got out to a commanding lead at uh, one point and this one was done, but then they fought back. Their, their defense did what they've been doing all year and getting takeaways and, and full credit to them. They'd be disappointed with this loss, but it's a hell of a showing from that program. Speaking of good showings, UCLA. Have they turned a corner under Chip Kelly as they push Oregon very tight? Uh, look, I'm not sure about turn the corner yet on this one. It's certainly a much improved result, but they need to be winning these games. Otherwise, the question is still going to be asked about Chip Kelly. Uh, and the other big game, the other ranked matchup, Wisconsin and Northwestern in a defensive slugfest, a really impressive victory for the Wildcats over what we thought was probably the best of the Big Ten East. Yeah, certainly. Wisconsin came in looking really good in their previous matchups, and Wisconsin completely uh, sorry Northwestern completely blanketed them. A lot of punting in this game both ways, like both defenses really stood out. But Northwestern gave up seven on the day. That defense continues to shine and, and did enough to get a really, really good win. Well, that brings you up to date with kind of all the big things, unless there's other stuff that you want to quickly touch on, William. No, that's, there's that's a great wrap. There's a whole bunch of other scores that we'll get to in just a second. Before we do that, let's hit only a tiny bit of news. The Clemson-Florida State cancellation. Talk us through that situation. You hit me up about this one. I was like, this is not real, is it? But... Talk us through it. Yeah, it seems a real odd one. So they were they were ready to go. They were kind of in, uh, was it Tallahassee? So Clemson had traveled and they were ready to go. And then one of they the- were down at breakfast. I yeah, think. down at breakfast. And one of the players had recently turned a positive result or someone somewhere along the line, there was a, res a positive COVID result. And this news kind of spread through like wildfire. And what it appears happened is Florida State jumped on this and said, nah, this ain't safe, we ain't kitting up and we ain't doing this. So whether it is truthful or not, it has shades that FSU took this as an opportunity to bow out against a very, very good opponent in Clemson. Yeah, I mean, they just didn't want to get debelted and bent over, I don't think. So I don't know, do you debelt in that situation? Probably don't have the time. Anyway, either way... <laughs> Uh, Clemson were going to hand it to Florida State and they decided to pull the pin. Uh, the only other kind of interesting bit of news, I suppose, is the Utah-USC game, which probably not fizzled, but wasn't as close as we'd hoped, had a few technical difficulties. Now, under the COVID situation, a lot of games both, I was going to say at college and NFL, but almost all uh, sports games are being called from places not at the particular venue where the game is played they're keeping commentators off site and it's only a skeleton staff 
at the particular stadiums. This isn't new. This has been done this whole year. In fact, it's been done before this year. Uh, but the cameras blanked out, all of them, completely. And commentators had no idea what was happening, and it was hilarious. Yeah, that's a weird one. All cameras going down at the same time and knowing, mm. being able to see anything, that's just odd. But did not stop USC on their uh, big day out. Yeah. All right, let's get into the game recaps. This is going to, like I said, move a little bit faster. Before we get into that, I want to... English Jess gave me a bit of a quote here this morning, which I thought was uh, particularly apt. So 3.30 games kick, and I tend to wake up at uh, about 5.30, maybe a little bit later, 6 o'clock in the morning, unless the Canes are playing. So I'll get the second half of those games. And I'm like, I don't know where the good game's going to be. And you sort of shuffle through, you check the scores, you see what's happening, and then you pick the tightest one and you've sort of got a couple of screens going and then those can shift and change. And Jess's analogy was that it's kind of like finding the porn you're into on that particular day. You've just got to, you're going through all those like screens, you're trying to find what you like, what's really kind of moving the needle for you, pardon the pun. And you've got to find the one that's, that's really warms your loins. Yeah, obviously the two of you spend enough time doing that together that you've been able to draw that. So I'm happy for you to bring that into this conversation with our uh, many followers. So that's great. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you. It's kind of a way of life now, this five five o'clock get up for the second half of, of those ones. It's really like, it, it's not such an early wake up. It's, it's very manageable. Yes, you do miss the first half of those ones. But I feel like if you do get up for that three o'clock, like if your team's playing, yeah, get around it. If not that kind of can rock you by the time you get to this this point of the day oh, where yeah. now it's just kind of like a, a normal day of the week. You feel all right, early, early off to bed tonight and then get up for the NFL and do the same thing again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there's going to be four segments uh, that we're going to touch on and, and most of the games we hit will fit that we want to talk about fit under these, but we'll, we'll try and touch on everything that we can. But the first one is our most impressive effort. Uh, so this these games are going to be those games whereby I guess we we had some results where teams played to more of their capacity or certainly executed a high level or pushed a team. So that first game, as we get into our kind of porny theme, uh, this might be your kind of standard just, you know, good old-fashioned girl-and-girl action. Damn, Gus Johnson. All right, Ohio State 42, Indiana 35. Yes, Sean Wade picks off the Michael Penix pass to put them up 35 to 21. Uh, sorry, 42 to 21, from which they would hold on uh, and, and get that one touchdown victory. Now, we said in the lead-in that Ohio State would look to take the running game away, take Stevie Scott away, keep Michael Penix in the pocket, and make him pass. They did that. And pass he did for 495 yards. Got the ball out quickly. Uh, is able to move in the pocket comfortably. Didn't get sacked despite the amount of pressure that he was under. Uh, and I actually think that perhaps Indiana maybe are actually kind of good. Ohio State were up 35-7 in this one. Justin Fields had three interceptions. But they got something out of their running games despite the question marks surrounding that part of their offense, but Master Teague went off. Uh, it seemed like a survive and move on. They kind of just, you know, got got to 35-7 up and just 
you know, backed the truck into the car park and, and, and left the ignition running and the door was open, but didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I feel like I indicated this in the lead up to, and I, and I need to pump my tires up here because I think the rest Good of the week, I, the rest of the week, I've been fucking awful, and, and this is the only oh, yeah. one where I got anywhere near making a call. But uh, Indiana are actually a decent team. Like going in this game, they, they are uh, a solid outfit this year, and they really took it to a, a very good Ohio State team. I mean, it shows you how good this Ohio State team is when you just look at the quarterback comparison on the day. So Michael Penix having game of his career, like five touchdowns, nearly 500 yards against this uh, Ohio State team, like incredible. Justin Fields probably having his worst day as a Without a doubt. He had more touchdowns than incompletions on the year so far. Yeah, I mean, he still went for 300 yards with with the two, but he he did throw throw those three interceptions and he hasn't done that before. So like... You stack those two things up. Normally, that means like the quarterback position is that important. Normally, the, the team that has the better player wins quite comfortably, and that was yeah. not the case in this one. And it, it shows how good Ohio State is and and how well rounded they are. So they obviously had that defensive score. That defense is good. They gave up a hell of a lot of points in this one, mm. but that's super impressive. And then Master Teague really got it going for them on the ground. He had a big, big day. They they leaned on him heavily. Uh, with 26 carries, but he, he almost racked up 170 yards and a couple of scores. So they needed that. They needed him to go large, and he was able to. So as you say, Ohio State escape, uh, and Indiana look good. But I don't know. For me, I see kind this kind of, kind of like I think, I think 37 to five is not a good reflection of how good Indiana is. But I also think 42 to 35, the final score, is not an indication of how good Ohio State is and how much they dominated for large periods in this one. Um, Michael Penix made some plays, don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, I still think that Ohio State, are, they're probably a 21 points, and that was the, about where the spread was at, I think, 21 points. And you know, Indiana fought their way back in a credit to them. I'm not taking anything away from, from them or, or their ability, but... Yeah, I, I, I don't buy that. Like, if this game is now played another nine times, I think if Indiana got within a touchdown again, you know, they would do that a couple of times, but it wouldn't be the common scoreline, I wouldn't think. No, absolutely not. And that's why they make it into our most impressive performances, because they showed out. They weren't able to get the job done, but they were really impressive. And if you were a fan of that uh, team, the, the Hoosiers, you would certainly be proud of the efforts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other one that I did want to quickly mention is Master Teague just looks funny when he runs. I don't mean that he doesn't have a good running style. I think it's like it's almost like his shoulder pad level's quite high, and he's doesn't have a neck. I don't know. You've got this thing? about a few people. You you've got a really like I reckon at one point you were working at uh, Foot Locker. You know how they have that like yeah, oh, yeah. walk thing there. Oh, yeah. You yeah, were yeah. kind of all about. Mate, you don't that. want to and be an overpronator. That's what I know. <laughs> you spent a lot of time dialing into that, and now you can't just help. Like it, it really because you don't like Travis Etienne's running style either. No, I don't. No, nah. but then you look at someone like Justin Fields, who's such a natural mover. He is a natural runner, just a really good athlete, a really fluid operator. That's not what you need in this sport, admittedly. You don't need to have a perfect running style. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, I'd... Spencer Rattler runs funny too. Whatever, I'm salty. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the other Big Ten clash. The Big Ten clearly had the uh, most impressive games of the week, Wisconsin and Northwestern. Here comes a blitz! 
the slot. He's going to time it and get to the quarterback first. Yeah, I was going to put in an offensive play. Like, I could have gone the Peyton Ramsey to RCB. I can't say his name, so I'm not going to try. Bowman? <laughs> I can't say his name. Who put Northwestern up 14-7 to just before halftime. But that play there, the Cameron Rui sack on fourth down uh, that ended that drive for Wisconsin at this very start of the last quarter pretty much not ended the game certainly but from there the Badgers didn't really get back into scoring position again they got to about the 36 yard line and went for it on downs and and fell short again so it was that play that was such a huge momentum swing and game changer uh, for for Northwestern both teams got off to a really shaky start Wisconsin fumbled twice Northwestern at the goal line which we were sort of having a bit of a chat about that series of plays which was unbelievable too many white uh, guys carrying the football there <laughs> um and then there was a whole bunch of interceptions it felt like it was turning into a defensive field position battle game which it was and I, you know we don't normally love these types of games if there's turnovers i find them good and and there certainly was that because graham mertz was throwing interceptions all over the place he looked super uncomfortable against maybe the best defense in the country i don't know like are they better than georgia now based on what georgia's served up the last couple of weeks um i've been so so impressed graham mertz was disappointing in back-to-back -back games and it seems a long time ago that that illinois perfect game that he played uh you know got their season off the mark but there's been such a long delay for them now it's been such an interrupted season not taking anything away from northwest and i thought they were fantastic and Peyton Ramsey was steady. Uh, they are going to be a real handful for, for any team that, unfortunately, will have to play them because that defense is stiff. Oh, absolutely. They've got a seat at the table for best defensive unit uh, in the country, uh, without a doubt. They were really impressive in this one. But ultimately, this came down to one thing, this, this matchup, and it was discipline. Like, that is what won Northwestern this football game. Wisconsin turned the ball over five times. And, and we've, we've spoken about this a, a lot. Anyone who watches the game knows you do that, you're going to have a bad time. And giving up five turnovers, eight penalties. Uh, and then on the flip side, Northwestern had the one turnover and one penalty on the day. That's enough. Like, that, that will win you a game, and, and, and it did. Like, Northwestern showed fuck all offensively in this game, and they've kind of done that all year. They're a good team. They're built around that. But in a big matchup like this, if you're able to play that disciplined brand and not fuck it up for yourselves, then you can get it going, and, and they certainly showed that there. So, Well, Paul Chris teams are, are normally some of the most disciplined like he set records for how many not penalties they give absolutely like. and and that and that's kind of the ironic thing in this one northwestern won this by going all wisconsin on them yeah yeah um i remember having a bit of a chat to you and we're like oh these offenses just can't get anything going and normally when that happens we're like oh man the offenses suck and don't get me wrong they're limited i think peyton ramsey is not that good <laughs> let's just calm down on that he's not really a great quarterback he's extremely limited and it appears that graham mertz is somewhat similar they can't get that running game going to the best of their ability although they did have some success in the second half but these defenses are so good. You, you need a fantastic offense to get at these guys because like you said, and you look at it and it is such, again, if you're a bit of a defensive head, Northwest, they're just so gap sound. And, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, and he's a former linebacker at Northwestern and all this kind of stuff. 
but like they're so stout up front. They, you know, on running plays, they'd squeeze those um, gaps so aggressively and then they get their pass rush involved. Um, they never get, you never see them get beaten by sloppy, undisciplined play by, you know, chasing a player out of position or, you know, if you're coming from the backside ever getting, you know, what do they say? You've got to be deep as the deepest and, and wide as the widest. And, and, you know, they just never get caught on reverses. Nothing ever surprises them. They're so well prepared. They, you know, their block destruction is impeccable. And I was so impressed. That's one of the best defensive performances that I have seen in a long, long, long time. And that comes from watching a lot of Clemson football, a lot of Alabama football. I was so impressed. Yeah, no, you, you can't help but be impressed by this Northwestern unit. And they've got really, really exciting year ahead of them now. They're in a, a prime position uh, heading up that side of the conference to tackle an Ohio State team who looks beatable. Yeah, for sure. Although I'm kind of hoping not in my championship draft. All right, let's move on to our second segment. Uh, this is called Because of the Implication. Now, Will's named all these because this is his thing. Uh, this refers to any games, I suppose, that have got national or conference relevance uh, and those games that maybe things got a little bit crazy, but certainly ranked matchups are going to fall into this bracket where possible. And I'm hoping there's at least one Always Sunny fan out there who gets the reference. All I need is one and then I'll be happy. Okay, do you have a pornographic kind of connection to this? If this had to be, like, is this midget porn? Is this some sort of interracial? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Look, I'm going to say this is like MILF gear here because of the implication. Ooh, interesting. Really? Righto. National relevance? That doesn't have national relevance. (laughs) It might. I don't know. I'm not inside the mind. All right, let's get into Oregon and UCLA. Rewide again, Not second literally. And Quantrez Knight got in there, but shot kept it for the touchdown throw. Hunter Campmoyer in his first game of the year scores. Yeah, Campmoyer put the Oregon Ducks up 38-28, to 28, and that would be enough to hold off UCLA. Now, this one was a pretty crazy game in, in lots of respects. Oregon got up early, then they got behind, then there was a crazy interception on the halftime gun that put them up. Then they got a bigger lead, and then they had to hold on for a win as well. UCLA were down so many players uh, due to COVID and injury. Quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson didn't play, and as a result, Chase Griffin went into the game, and he looked okay for the Bruins. Something about him, he just looked... Gave them a bit of a spark. They were missing some running backs as well, but they did turn the ball over a lot. We spoke about the turnovers uh, in the Wisconsin game. The same thing that plagued them was the issue with UCLA as well. And a couple of those cost touchdowns straight up and you know bad field position. And that's what caused the loss. You, you just cannot lose the turnover battle as badly as they did. I'll let you jump in here before I do want to, you know, pump up Tyler Shock. I think he's a really good quarterback, and uh, that, that UCLA defense is actually pretty good. They were able to get pressure on him and 
and uh, but Oregon just did really solidify down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. I think they had a, a really good day, especially that defensive line at UCLA where they have been lacking a bit. They were super impressive. I mean, CJ Vidal is a weapon and that Oregon offensive line has handled units and, and they didn't have their way today. I feel like the UCLA defensive line had the advantage. They kept them to under 90 yards, which is a, a hell of an effort and they got a bit of pressure up on there. So I think that was... And it was off just bringing four as well like they were winning matchups like it Correct. wasn't that Correct. they were blitz heavy or anything like it was it was an impressive outing for a ucla defense exactly right and i mean this one here is just it, it really comes down to a couple of pretty poor like short moments for this ucla team that ended up costing them so they had a four play series where they gave up 14 points so like they literally had, four plays that includes kickoffs yeah 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 they had the ball they fumbled it gave it away next play oregon scored so there's seven they get the ball kicked back to them they fumble on that next play oregon scores like four to, that's that's hard to do I, I don't think we'll see that again this year so that that when you couple that with the fact that they tried to throw for a hail mary going into the half oh. and he gets hit as he's throwing it and just airs the ball well short into the gleeful hands of a duck defender who takes it back to the house as time is expired. That's just an unforgivable sin. So if you look at like 21 points there... But whose fault is that? Is that the QB? Is that the... Is that the like the play call? The head coach is making the call there and saying like pull the trigger. I mean, like, you hindsight, like the aggression. I mean, it's a very absolutely kind of exactly right. Setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, you fuck it up. You, you obviously don't throw it. I think as a quarterback, you need to be a little bit safer. You know, if you're under that amount of pressure, just throw it out of bounds. Or just perhaps. eat it. Just yeah, correct, right. correct. Like I, I think that probably comes down to it. You don't see this sort of stuff often but it's it's an absolute killer and it ended up costing these guys the game in one that they they probably could have walked away as victors so do we feel like like chip kelly i believe was on the hot seat still possibly is you know they're looking at him and saying well this is year four of the chip kelly experience year three or four can't exactly remember three, four, three. i think it was 2018 higher. uh so yeah. you know at what point does it run out and and pushing games close like this certainly keeps you in a favoured position and and on top of that you've got your track record which reads really really well at the college level as well well him and Cristobal started at the same time and they're certainly on different paths at the moment like Mario Cristobal's looking like one of the better hires in in all the land for that that year in 2018 he's done a great job there and the Ducks are looking like contenders and and the best team in the Pac-12 whereas UCLA we still haven't seen it they, we still haven't seen the corner be turned, so there's questions. They were marks coming from that. different places, to be fair. Yep. You, you know, in terms of recent success and things like that. But anyway, uh, an interesting game and a really enjoyable one as well. I, I really enjoyed watching that one, and, and I'll continue to watch Oregon football. Uh, all right, let's go to another game that has national implications and certainly conference implications. And we've mentioned these teams, but we haven't given them too much time. So let's go App State, Coastal Carolina. It's coming down to this fourth and 22, perhaps. Intercepted. Thomas is picked off for the third time today. Strong takes it all the way back for a touchdown. Yeah, Zach Thomas threw 
two really bad interceptions. I mean, that was a fourth and 22. Is that a bad interception? Probably not really. But the one before that was shocking. That one there we heard just iced the game and, and Coastal Carolina get by App State 34 to 23. Grayson McCall, if you've got to pick the quarterbacks, I mean, Zach Thomas was coming into this year with this stretch outside zone run game and expected to put up a, and then work play action off that. And he was a good decision maker. He wasn't going to be tasked with throwing the ball 40 times a game or anything like that. It was going to be simple reads for him, lots of bootlegs. Things just haven't gone that way. And that he's expected to win the game off his own arm and he's struggling to do so a fraction. Uh, that sail ball that they ran on a rollout was terrible, terrible. He had two underneath receivers uh, that were open and he, he goes the long option through a pick. And I thought at that stage, uh, App State were going to march to a victory, but that, that interception turned the game. On the other side, you've got freshman Grayson McCall, who is just killing it. Like he's having a really, really good year. He's a good decision maker. Uh, he's clearly com- very comfortable in this in this offense, running a lot of... It, it, it looks like the old Art Bryles, uh, um, Baylor Bears kind of offense. Lots of triple option looks from the spread, lots of speed option, uh, and, he, and he's hitting his marks and he's making good reads and he's safe with the ball mostly. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was really, really impressed with that. And the last note that I have on the Chanticleers is that they've got two receivers one's last name is highly the other one's likely so together they're highly likely <laughs> i don't bad. know bad. Yeah, it was bad but i just that that really that made me good anyway your thoughts on the app state coastal carolina game? look i feel you 100 percent on grayson mccall i think he's probably the number one freshman player going around this year like he's got that title there's no one else that jumps out to me that is having more of an impact than he is this year and, and yes it's a quarterback friendly offense but that's kind of what you want to see and he stepped in he's owning it he's making them look really good i think like looking at the score line here 34 to 23 don't be fooled into thinking that Coastal Carolina won this one comfortably. I mean, no, they, they, no they had that pick six. They, I think the guy should have gone down, really. To Noah Sewell at Oregon? He's a pretty good freshman. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. I mean, is what, linebacker? Yeah. Yeah. No one cares about defense. <laughs> Dead Stingley um, was this guy. That... Yeah, actually, Stingley was really good last year. Um, but this, like, I think. Go for the points, the style points. Like if you're in group of five and you need to make it look as good as possible, I'm all for him going. I think normally in a, in any other situation, you, you fall to the ground and you win the game. But this one was a one-score game and App State had an opportunity to march to score the field and score and, and, and take the lead. They weren't able to do that. And I think it was Coastal Carolina's defense that really won them the day. I think both teams were talked about these powerful offenses and how it was going to be an absolute shootout. But holding App State to 23 points is a hell of an effort. Not many, I don't think any other team's been able to do that this year. Uh, all right, maybe their one loss that they had. But Yeah, I think they only scored seven earlier in the year. But yeah, anyway. But, uh, but they have been prolific. And yes. Coastal Carolina, yeah. like they've all been about the offense. It hasn't been that defense that's been getting all the love, but they deserve it in this effort here. They were fantastic. They keep rolling, and, and they really are one of the true Cinderella stories of the season. So in terms of national implications and even conference implications, App State have won the Sun Belt, what, the last four years or five years even? Like that's Coastal sort of- Carolina's never beaten them. Ever. Yeah, right. So all of a sudden you've got, you know, a, a team ranked in the top 20 and are in the box seat for the Sunbelt as well. So 
Good stuff, Coastal Carolina. And not only that, you you know, their coaches are now being talked about as taking the next step in terms of their progression up the food chain in college football coaching ranks. All right, let's move on. Speaking of someone that potentially will not be at his current coaching location into next year, Luke Fickle and the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, they just get over UCF 36 to 33. I thought if UCF managed 33 points in this one, they'd probably win, but that wasn't to be. Why not? I know you were all over this one, Will. Yeah, I was dialed into this one today, and it was it was quite an entertaining matchup. They really went head-to-head, hammer and tongs all day, and it probably wasn't the game that I expected. Like I thought... Cincinnati's defense would show out more than they did. It was more so the other side of the ground. They needed to get going on the offense, and and they were able to. Desmond Ritter was able to step up at big moments and get it going. He uh, went for over 300 yards and a score, a couple of scores, should I say, had uh, an influence running the ball on the ground and another two scores as well. So this was a huge test for this program. UCF, uh, a very good football team. Yes, they've got three losses on the year now this year, but I think they're a hell of a challenge for anyone that they come up against. And this game was an opportunity for Cincinnati to show that they were that elite defense. They didn't really do that. They fell short of that to me. Yes, they got a decent amount of pressure on the UCF side and Dylan Gabriel was not able to be as comfortable as he has been all year, but he still was able to move the ball on them. He was still able to spring some big plays that Cincinnati kind of needed to nix for them to be considered a a true serious contender here. So I think this one probably hurts them a little bit. The fact oh, that they, okay. like, like they need the win. Absolutely, they need the win, and it's a good win to get. But that said, I think like it's hard for a group of five team to even be considered for the playoff. Uh, you, you, you can be perfect, and that's not enough. You need to be perfect plus, and, and this game wasn't that plus for them. So Cincinnati, hell of a game, but they, they didn't separate themselves from the group of five to put themselves in my eyes as a, a true top four team in the nation. Interesting. And, and is that their shot done then? Like, I mean, they're, they're undefeated. They're ranked, what, seven at the moment? Um, so you don't see them as, you know, as I think it, it plays out now. It just, they, abs- like, they need chaos not. at the top, I assume. They, they, they really do, I think. I mean, I'd love to see them play BYU. That would be a great game. But Well, we are, like, I mean, that's a good lead into our next, our next game because not that we're going to spend long on BYU, but in terms of, national implications they just keep destroying teams now i uh, north alabama aren't good like they covered the spread there and all that sort of stuff but the issue for byu now becomes that they're not playing a game for the next three weeks like they have got a long long layoff until their final game of the year against i can't even remember someone not good like new mexico or someone irrelevant so now there is a chance though that with this time off that they could look to schedule somebody and maybe if since if something in the american happens maybe they do that and we can see that you know we've seen those games get scheduled on really really short notice now maybe these two teams say you know what let's just we gotta we gotta put all our cards lay them all out and see what happens the winner is obviously gonna take all the chocolates but that's why you play the game so 
that gives themselves a chance. Maybe that's the the angle that BYU and Cincinnati take moving forward. That would be amazing if that were to happen. I, I just think with all the rules and like the hoops that you have to jump through, I think you can reschedule within a conference maybe to make something yeah. awesome like that. It just, it just doesn't feel like it's going to well, happen I mean, because we want it so bad. Well, and the geographical obvious answer would be the Pac-12 for BYU. Uh, but who's going to want to play them? Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe Utah would so that they can still have their little holy war or whatever they play. And, and they, they beat the, they might and, and say they beat the piss out of Utah. It doesn't really do enough then with, with where they're at and USC yeah, they, comfortably yeah. handling them. It, like it would have to be another contender in another league and, and that sure as shit ain't happening. So well, yeah, and, and they, like Oregon got, and USC aren't signing up for that. Correct. But they've got three weeks off now and they just need to pray for chaos. They need carnage up the top. They need a whole bunch of like two losses sort of deal happening in and around them they they need kind of alabama to lose and then like have a two loss sec champ or or something like really out there like that for them to get in otherwise it's tough to see any of the what six teams ahead of them at the moment giving up a spot for them all right let's move on to segment number three which is studying the playbook this is all the games that went to script And the reason we're throwing this one in here is that we very rarely talk about the teams that win comfortably as they should. Now, often that has fallen in recent history to the Alabamas, Clemson, Ohio States, LSUs, Georgias of the kind of college football landscape. And that is because they just beat the crap out of anyone. So reporting on Alabama 63 to Kentucky 3, Hell, I don't know what this means, but we're going to give it a crack because Alabama deserve some time in the limelight. So let's jump into it. Kentucky got smoked, really. I mean, they were 1.8 yards per carry on the ground, 4.8 yards per pass, which if you don't know much about numbers and metrics, that is not good. They were 2 of 13 on third down, which is terrible. They did have some moments in the first half, but they were missing a bunch of players and eventually the floodgates completely burst open. Uh, Alabama controlled the line of scrimmage, which was impressive. Defensively, uh, Christian Harris was everywhere. 11 tackles and a sack and just really controlled that running game after halftime of the Wildcats. Uh, What happened with the Alabama offense? Will, I was expecting more out of the box score, if I'm honest, with a a 63 points put up. They weren't perfect. Um, I saw... Uh, Mac Jones turned the ball over at the one yard line or, or threw an interception in the end zone. Uh, so he wasn't perfect either. What happened with the offense and, and why didn't I see these real <laughs> giant numbers? You're being a little critical here of like, yes, he, he stopped them from going in and scoring 70. And I'm sure Nick Saban <laughs> would be ropeable about that. But He will be though. He oh. will be. No doubt. I mean, this was a, a training run for Alabama mm. and, and they look really, really good. I think Kentucky are a bit underdone at the minute they're they're suffering uh from a few outs across the program including their best player and punter max duffy so that um certainly hurts them and like there's not too much to talk about this one other than the fact that alabama flexed and continue to look really good and, and genuinely look like the number one team now yeah for sure the only other note that i will make is devonta smith set the sec record for touchdown catches as he caught two more against the wildcats and now the tide have themselves a date booked with the iron bowl 
Uh, there was no looking ahead for Alabama, at least. <laughs> no, well, caught, and, and that and game day rolls into town there again, which is pretty cool. Something different for Rivalry <laughs> Week. Okay, let's get into the next one. Iowa State, 45. Kansas State, a big, fat donut. Could not put a score on the board. Brees Hall and Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy went for three touchdowns in the first half. He did damage, which we were, we've been waiting for. We've been expecting it. It hasn't happened with the fluidity that it we were hoping for and certainly that we saw glimpses of last year. But I was surprised how badly Iowa State just beat K-State up, up front. Like Kansas State's defense is supposed to be good. Um, they're supposed to have those, you know, experienced linebackers and and uh, they're well coached and again, they're gap sound and discipline and all that sort of stuff. And they were just getting creased repeatedly in this game. They struggled to get any pressure. Not a lot to report on this one. Uh, any big, big news for either team on this one? No, I mean, Kansas State were atrocious and Iowa State were near perfect on the day. So mm. Brees Hall has showed out all year, and, and he's hands down the best running back in the conference. There's a few others, obviously, going into the year that were touted, including you know Chuba Hubbard coming off a 2,000-yard season. Brees Hall has now gone the last eight games or something, over 100 yards, and has looked really good doing so. This one, they outgained Kansas State 539 yards to 149. That is a whooping so two teams heading in in different directions we we had this one kind of real similar early in the year when they both had real big upsets and one team has skyrocketed up in iowa state and matt campbell's coaching candidacy gets another boost uh and and they're in the box seat for the big 12 championship kansas state on the other side still reeling after losing skylar thompson well they are well and truly embroiled in a three-game losing streak they benched will howard who was their starting quarterback and now they get baylor on deck with an absent offense, things could get uglier. Baylor haven't been great, but this is a challenging game for them. And to lose four on the bounce, which is what they're staring at right now, not good. Uh, and like we mentioned, uh, uh, Iowa State uh, in control of their own destiny in the Big 12. Look like they're set up for the Big 12 championship game, although things in this conference can change in a heartbeat. They have got Texas next week and then West Virginia to close conference play. Those games aren't easy and they can't get caught looking ahead because you're one loss away from being dragged back to the pack. And not only that, you are down the tiebreaker against Oklahoma State. So they cannot lose too many games here. Nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, things, other games that went to script. Oklahoma 41, Oklahoma State 13. You sent me your reactions because I didn't watch this game. I was out at a first birthday party, which was fucking so fun. Um but you sent me this game in GIF form, which I really appreciated. And I mean, it seemed like it was just a flatline shit fight from the start. But talk us through Bedlam. What happened? No, exactly right. It was a flatline shit ride from the start. I mean, Oklahoma took the opening kickoff and then put on a drive at ease and torched this so-called vaunted Oklahoma State defense. Uh easily scored and then got I think it was three and out got the ball back scored again quite comfortably Oklahoma State got the ball I think one play in uh, through a pick so Oklahoma got the ball back and then scored again and six minutes in Oklahoma are up 21 to nothing 
and and that was curtains from there really oklahoma state kind of were able to muster something on the next drive sorry spencer sanders on that pick girl sorry on the next drive was knocked out of the game so he had concussion like symptoms pulled out so shane Ellingworth comes in actually looks all right on the first drive and they're able to go down and, and score a touchdown but that was kind of where it it landed for them the defense started to stiffen a little after that gave up a couple of field goal attempts uh and and kind of starting to so show some form of resemblance of the defense that we've seen earlier in the year in holding this oklahoma sooners team back but they're just they're so well coached lincoln riley does a fantastic job on that offensive side of the ball of putting up points and putting his players in a position where they can use their athleticism and get free like all they need is half a step and they're off to the races and we saw that plenty of times in this one so full credit to oklahoma that they look really good uh when Going into the half, I think it only was like 10 points, maybe 17 points, two scores, 14 points. It was manageable. manageable. It it was manageable, and you thought, maybe Oklahoma State can muster something. Nothing. Like, it was just three three and out after three and out. Their defense really started to shine from that period there. Spencer Sanders came back in the game, so apparently concussions go away. Strange. Uh, and never really got anything going. Chuba Hubbard went out of the game with this ankle injury that I think he's been dealing with all year. Uh, he was a non. Is he coming back? Is he coming back now? Who knows? I mean, does he, he come back and play a few good games and opt out? Like he he can't go to the draft with a gimpy leg and this kind of performance this year. He is kind of like the Bryce Love, right? Where oh, massively. he had that massive 2,000-yard season, decided to come back, and then blew out because his ACL. he could have declared, couldn't he? Yeah, absolutely he could have declared. But, you know, he wanted to get a Stanford degree. I can kind of understand that. And then also play. But no, I mean, his, I'm sorry, Tuba Hubbard. Did... Oh, no, yeah, he could have too. Absolutely yeah. he could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, like he, he has looked atrocious this year. Just not Mate, nearly if you're running the same. back, go get that guap. What what doesn't help him is the Oklahoma State offensive line. They are so undermanned at the moment. They're, they're, they're down players with injuries. They've got true freshmen starting at like the That's left tackle position. The no, line. it's like and, and it showed that they were getting such pressure. The Oklahoma defense uh, and so quickly, like they were immediately in their face that they just couldn't get anything going. So that was the the real big point of this game and and oklahoma just kind of burned it from there so i think most of my gifts i was sending through to you were just me in pain like me and me crying me in a ball me not feeling great about myself so it it wasn't an, an awesome one for me because it's always like this like i don't know why i get my hopes up and then I tell no, you, you sound I like a Miami fan. All right, you can go on and on about this. So let's move on. Uh, Florida 38, control Vandy 17. Kyle Trask makes his push for the Heisman even further, despite uh, Kyle Pitts not playing in this particular game. But they managed this one okay. Three touchdown win. Your boys at Vandy couldn't get it done. Yeah, no, that was an easy uh, playbook victory for Florida. Okay, and the last little group of games we have is our Chaos Games of the Week. Oh, no. Which, I was meant to play the Chaos clip, but I think this one works perfectly because Michigan need three overtime periods to close out Rutgers 48-42. to 
Wowza. Uh, gee, I mean, Rutgers were up 17 to nothing in the second quarter. Uh, Joe Milton gets benched for Cade McNamara. He throws four touchdowns to rally the Wolverines in this one. Um, I, I, I don't know what to think. Harbour's team looks so uninspired. Their defense looks horrifically poor. Really, really, really bad. I've never seen it. Or since I've been following more of Big Ten football, I haven't seen a Michigan defense this exposed. The play calling from Don Brown has been really questionable. Um, and then on top of that, Rutgers had a chance to win the game, and they miss a field goal in overtime. They played for the field goal, which I never love. Um, and they asked. It wasn't a chip shot by any means, but it was straight up the guts, and he pushed it left uh, and Michigan eke out a win. And I think I, 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 we've spoken about this in the past as well, is when you get your chance to win, you've got to pull the trigger. You can't go in there playing and, and hoping you're going to win because what does Bill Belichick say? More teams lose games than teams go and win games, if that makes sense. So Rutgers probably lost the game there, um, which is a, a disappointing finish for them. Yeah, absolutely. They're not going to get too many shots against the Michigan outfit like they did today, and they did not capitalise. You're not putting it all down on the kicker. They had they they were blowing them out in the first half, and then mm. Michigan made the change, put Cade Cunningham in at quarterback. And if I am a Michigan fan, that's what I'm like holding on to as hope. Cade Cunningham looked really good. McNamara, he put up Cunningham. Uh, sorry, is it? Am I? McNamara. Yeah, McNamara. You're up. Cunningham is the uh, five-star incoming freshman to Oklahoma State basketball. So that's where my head is immediately gone. <laughs> Bring on the basketball season just around the corner. Um, Cade McNamara, sorry. And, and he, was, he was phenomenal. He really dug them out of a hole in the second half. Looked really good in doing it. Got a bit of color in his hair too. Don't hate it. Like, kind of rocking it. So, all about that. I think he has a bright future. So, if you're a Michigan fan, you've got to hold on to that because it's got to be something at the moment because it ain't pretty. Like, they beat Rutgers by 52 points last year. And now they're in triple overtime. Like, that's that's the current <laughs> state. So, second half was really good. Cade McNamara is a winner. Let's just go with that, eh? Yeah, I mean... The team still looked kind of okay. They looked insipid and uninspired during the game. But after the win, they were kind of celebrating. And I thought maybe Harbour is just on his way out. And he his contract's up at the end of the year. Maybe they cut him earlier. I don't know. We, we don't really know what's going to happen there. But uh, things aren't looking super positive for him and maintaining his job as a head coach there. Because Michigan demands more the other game that you wanted to talk about here in chaos games of the week is illinois 41 nebraska 23 i did not watch this game uh i'll let you say your piece uh, and then i'll ask you a question about nebraska yeah i mean i don't have a huge amount to say on this i'm it's, it's chaotic for this nebraska program to lose this one they, they had the big victory that they needed to have over penn state which ain't looking all that great now but they needed to have that one and then they needed to kind of solidify it with a win over illinois couldn't get it done full credit to illinois uh, came in completely outplayed nebraska in this one but that's that's gotta hurt uh, a nebraska team that's now reeling like really, really in big trouble. Scott Frost not getting it done. Uh, serious questions there. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like this, this. I mean, on both ends. Like Brandon Peters is not a good quarterback. He went eighteen for twenty five, two hundred five yards. He struggles to move the ball 
generally in a forwards direction. Um, but he has managed to do that successfully multiple times today. And then you look at Scott Frost and the offenses that he was churning out at UCF. Luke McCaffrey, 15 of 26, 134 yards, three interceptions. There comes a time where, you know, oh, we haven't got our recruits in there, but you had them. Um, you've had a period to at least see some light here. And I'm not saying, I'm not jumping to conclusions saying Scott Frost needs to go or anything like that, but we've got to start seeing some results on the field soon because you're getting pushed around um, offensively, which is supposed to be your baby. And the only thing that is resembling a little bit of competency at the moment was your defense. And, and there was a little bit of growth on the back end, but this is a team that gave up 41 points today. So, you know, I, I'd feel really, really bad. I guess my question for you then, Will, is, well, who's in a worse place? Uh, Florida State? Or Nebraska? From where I sit, I feel like it's Florida State because they, they're they coming from a more recent success. Like, this is a program that going back, like, within the decade has won a national championship and now are a complete dumpster fire. Nebraska haven't been in that conversation for as long as we've really followed the game. Like, they were okay, but they, they haven't been a top-four team for ever. Since the 70s? And, and, and that's 90s. exactly it. Like, yes, they, they are a blue-blood program, but they feel like they are... Their blood's turning... It's changing colour here. Correct. And, and they're well and truly dormant, where Florida State feels a lot fresher. Like, you can smell it on them. They, they haven't kind of crusted over yet. There's still something that's there. And that's that's what, Especially yeah, with the porny theme of this show. That is, it's not okay, dude. Poor choice of words. But <laughs> no, for, for mine, Florida State, just because they've been better more recently, seem to be in a bigger hole. But both, okay. both spots aren't great. Righto. So Nebraska's more like your tissues on the bedside cabinet. Florida State's Jesus. the sock in the corner. All I don't right. like this theme. I did not endorse this. <laughs> All right, let's get to the rest of the game. So in the Big Ten, Minnesota 31, Purdue... Thir- uh, sorry, Minnesota 34, Purdue 31. My apologies. Uh, the Boilermakers get screwed on a phantom pass interference call that cost them a touchdown, which would have won the game for them. It was a disgusting call. I know Jeff Brown was going absolutely ballistic on the sidelines and he wasn't uh, mincing his words, I suppose, when it came to the media and his responses to that particular question. Uh, I thought that was a... I've never seen a call so, so bad. That was the one that you want in there to be overturned. It obviously can't happen, um, but... That was a oh, that was terrible. Rondale Moore played his first game for the year, had 15 receptions, but he got injured again. Um, and to me, Purdue, I think are still are still okay. They they need a defense and they need a running game, but ugh, it's so frustrating when you get bad calls like that. I sound like a fan. I kind of am, but I do like the <laughs> Gophers as well. You Penn State indeed. still suck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Iowa beats them 41-21. Uh, anything on that? 0-5 for the first time ever. Whoa. This is a program that's been around a long time, over 100 years. Michigan and Penn State, you wouldn't have picked it. No. Uh, there's nothing left in the Big 12, so we can you know, zip past them. The ACC, Louisville shut out Syracuse 30 to nothing. I think you mentioned that you were going to take Syracuse at one point. That would have been a absolute 
shit call for you. Would have been in line with the rest of my picks this week. <laughs> yeah. um, Pitt were big winners over Virginia Tech, 47-14. to 14. NC State beat Liberty on a block kick. What was the score? 15-14 at the close. They needed to block a field goal to win that one, and Liberty lose their ACC win streak. They do. Uh, Virginia won also as well in their out-of-conference game. Across to the SEC, uh, LSU 27, Arkansas 24. Arkansas went down uh, towards the end of the game. Felt like they had a chance here. Um, And then a couple of bad calls. A blocked field goal at the finish gave LSU the win. I felt like Arkansas was sort of in control despite the fact that they went 0-10 on third down, which is just disgusting. Um, but they're going to feel a little bit disappointed. They're now three and five on the year, and you feel that with the Auburn call and and that particular game there, that that record should be flipped. But it's not, and you're only as good as your three wins. Yes, sir. Georgia thirty-one, Mississippi State twenty-four. Now Mississippi State dressed less than fifty-three. Uh, scholarship players. There was talk of about 49 kicking around the sidelines, which is unbelievable at a college program. Uh, Both teams managed a grand total of 30 rushing yards. Sick. (laughs) The entire game. JT Daniels is probably the other big story for this. He got his first start for Georgia over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Anything on the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs? I like that. But uh, (laughs) look, this one was tight. Uh, Georgia needed to score in the last to win, which was yeah. strange. We, we both didn't see that one coming in. So, I mean, they did what they needed to, but oof, yuck. Yeah, Georgia feel like they've just dropped completely off the national radar now and are borderline irrelevant, and it can happen just that quickly. Yep. Uh, Auburn overcome a slow start to beat Tennessee 30-17. to Smoke Monday, we haven't said his name since probably the... Uh, what was their big game last year? Maybe a bowl game last year. He saw some action and did some good stuff. But he bobs up with a 100-yard interception return for a touchdown. Uh, and Missouri, 17, beat South Carolina, 10. Anything on those? No, sir. <sighs> Never do. Pack 12 Oregon State, 31. Cow, 27. I watched this game. It was wicked. The Beavs score on two one-play drives. There was defensive stands, trick plays, a bad, bad Tristan Jebbia interception, and then a block punt that led to a go-ahead score, and then a pick by a defensive lineman, Justin McCartan, uh, that ended the game. So a really entertaining one. Oregon State get the win that I think they've deserved this year. So um, finally picked one for the Beavs. Yeah, go on. Happy for you. Washington 44, Arizona 27. Washington look like they've kicked it into gear. USC 33, Utah 17. This is Utah's first game. It's the 21st of November. They play their first game of the year. Their offense looks sloppy. USC played their most complete game of the year. Anything on the Huskies Wildcats or USC Utah? Now, I think you called that right with the USC Utah one in that they the Utes were just rusty. First game up, this is, they're coming up against a team that's had two active hitouts. They've looked shaky in both of them, but it's a good program, and then it's starting to come together for them. So they're kind of a bit outmatched in that sense. Really showed USC their most complete performance, and they remain undefeated and certainly in the conversation for the Pac-12. Okay, that brings us through all the games. Have I missed any? No, I, I, think, I missed any. I think that's most of it, mate. All right, let's get into our 
Rewind, I'm saying go back and watch Tulsa versus Tulane. That is a team, actually. Tulsa, the number 25th ranked team in the country, had no right to win that game. Goes to OT. Uh, but if you watch from the fourth quarter on, a crazy, crazy finish to that one. Yeah, okay. That's cool. I might have to look that up because I think that was like Friday or Thursday night. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a good game. Yeah, okay. Missed that one. For mine, uh, some Aussie action here. Love it. Blake Hayes. <laughs> All the time this. So, uh, punter at Illinois. Uh, they run the fourth down fake to perfection. Like, everyone is, is jetting back. Like, the whole uh, defensive line uh, have just kind of bailed out. And he has a paddock. So, Blake Hayes takes it. And kind of like... Was it a punt option? It sort of looked like it was a punt option. I think, like, he, I think bail, it was going to be a punt. And then he was like, yeah, uh, I think he kind of had a license to go. And he, yeah, he wasn't yeah. sure. And there were like almost yeah. three. I'm and not sure. he was sure. still not sure. Even when he had the he first got down, he still eight yards sure. past the, <laughs> Like eight yards past the line of scrimmage. Two yards to, to obviously get the first down. And then he puts in a Duke move. No one <laughs> is it within 15 yards of him at this point in time. Slick move, like looks good. Uh, then well, proceeds to hightail his ass out of bounds, gets the 14 yards. I liked it. Good viewing. Check it out. I thought it was a pass because he sort of got to the line of scrimmage and then stopped. And then I was like, oh, well, he's passing this. It's not a run. And then he sort of waits, sets up a block from like the only guy on the field that could possibly tackle him. He's like, oh, no, I'm just going to hustle around here and off I toddle. It was weird. Anyway, worth a look. Okay, Aussies in action. Take us through this as we get to the finish line here, mate. Yes, okay. So uh, Blake Hayes, not only the 14-yard rush, but he had three at uh, 45.7, which is a good outing for him. So happy to see that there in their big win over Nebraska. Uh Hayden White had Indiana had six at forty three point two in the prime t- matchup uh, against Ohio State, so he really held up his end there. Ben Griffiths at USC continues what mm. is a very good season with four at forty three point eight. I think I've mentioned him every game that they've played yeah. so far, which talks about yeah. how well he's playing. Seamus O'Kelly at Texas State, whacking him three at fifty one. Love yeah. it. Uh, Lucas Dean, another one who's been getting a lot of love this year at the Roadrunners, University of Texas, San Antonio. Uh, He had six at an average of 47.7. Jack Brooks at South Alabama had seven at 46. Tory Taylor, who has stepped in and has just taken it by storm. First year this year and is really showing out at Iowa. He had five punts at 44.4. But this week's number one performer, John Haggerty, busy. Busy eight punts <laughs> at an average of fifty three point three. Fuck me, that is. Did he have a? Mon- he must have had a monster in there. I sure. think he must have had a couple of monsters in in yeah. that. Mix. So really impressive effort from the big fella there, and he gets our player of the week. He that's not the first time for him either. So well done, big rig. Uh, okay, let's get to bold predictions. Uh, let's start with you, Will. How um, I might as well get this out of the way because I don't think many of your picks went real well this week. So Pepper needs new shorts. Oh, oh. yeah. And that's I, I had UCLA to beat uh, US. Uh, sorry, oh. UCLA to beat Oregon. Oh, okay, good. Not terrible. Didn't happen. Not terrible. And then yeah. I I kind of coupled that into Utah to beat USC, which was no showing there. So both wrong. All of two there. Okay. I had Michigan losing to Rutgers and then Jim Harbaugh gets fired on the plane on the way home. Uh, 
Now, half of that is still up for debate. At this Has the plane point. landed? I don't know. We, we <laughs> haven't heard anything, but we don't know if the plane's <laughs> down yet. Um, but they did not lose to Rutgers, so I did miss. But gee, it was close. And I have a feeling that if they did lose, his neck would be currently severed. Yeah, I think it, it's still it's still a chance. So yeah. that was a good call on your part. Uh, okay, now it is time for On The Punt, and I know how this one's going. So talk us through how much cash you burnt this weekend. Almost right? all of it. Almost uh. all of it. So 10 units were outlaid across nine games, and then a multi I let you help me out with, right? Mm-hmm. Let's start with the positives. We had Washington State over Stanford, and that game was called off. So I got 10 bucks, <laughs> ten, or sorry, a unit back there, which is awesome. Love it. <laughs> we also had Oregon State over Cow. I asked you for three. Uh, you gave yeah. me the Washington State one. Obviously, didn't play, so I can't judge you on that. You had this one as your number one, uh, yeah. and it came in. So thank you. Got the, got the points yeah. there. So 2.4 units back on that one. Beautiful. Uh, and then you gave me, as your number two, uh, UCF over Cincinnati. Tight game. Yeah. Coin flip. So not bad on your yeah. part. You're, you're doing yeah. all right at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through my other selections that I had down. We had Arkansas over LSU. Close oh, loss. Stiff. Ouch. Stiff. App State over Coastal Carolina. Another Ugh. close one. I'm on the wrong side of. Uh, Penn State over Iowa. Not close. <laughs> bad bet. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> oh, Kansas no. State. Over Iowa State. <laughs> they didn't even score. They did not, no. They were tripled in yardage. So that, like the odds are great, but fuck. At Oklahoma State, they were yeah, you shouldn't laughed have done out that. of the stadium. I had Liberty, block field goal. Nah, no chance. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, in, all in all, uh, we lost 7.6 units this week. So Okay. Ouch. All right, where does that put us overall? Negative 23, nice round <laughs> number there. Negative 23 units on the year, so... Is that um, is that the lowest we've been? I believe so, yeah. <laughs> we are reaching new levels here. You've got to go back against the spread, dude. We gotta, you can't keep picking up sets and hope they come up. Like, it's not... I disagree. Okay. Well, I spe- like we and we did speak about this because my theory is that uh, games are going to become more predictable. So you got to go against the spread more so because I think outright wins are going to be harder to come by for underdogs. But that's just my take on it. What would I know? What <laughs> would me. I know? <laughs> All right, thank you uh, very much for joining us on this uh, slightly sexually orientated week. 12 recap uh, it's been a lot of fun i think the change up's been nice will well done by you good suggestion I thank like you it. and, and I like i'm it. keen for feedback too we're, we're always open to that so we'd love to hear from some of the listeners if you made it to this part of the episode then you are a, like a real true listener and we'd love to hear from you do you like this do you rather us cover up on all the games we're open to all of it we're, we just kind of do what we want to do <laughs> We do just do what we want to do. Okay, uh, make sure you do hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at CFB Down Under. Make sure you tell your friends, all your family, people in America, people not in America. Um, all I mean, we've got fans in every country, so don't be afraid. If you know people in, um, you know, Ethiopia, let them know. 
Uh, if you know people in Liechtenstein, let them know. All right. They probably need to understand the English language. But as I ramble on here, let's push on. Uh, and thank you very much for joining us and making this a threesome with your ears. Uh, it has been fantastic. That is our week 12 recap on behalf of that guy over there. Thank you very much. My name's Aaron. That is Will. And we will see you next time.